what did you talk about? So that's why I like the cohort model where you get together and it's almost flipping the classroom in some ways. You say, go learn this principle, talk to it, your partner about it, come and share your findings with the group. So that, that think tank becomes really this magical time each week where people say, oh, you did, oh, that didn't work. I was going to try that, but now I might not. So that's where the magic happens of this collabor- collaboration and synergy. So I, I do agree. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. This is part two of our interview with my friend, Trion Muller. Trion, in part one, we talked about your time at Franklin Covey and at 2080, the private equity fund that owned Vital Smarts and these other big companies in the industry. And, and now you're consulting uh, a lot of the new players who are going digital and trying to figure out the future and specifically how to go beyond just taking an analog process and putting it in front of a, a webcam. We started, we started down this road at the end of the part one talking about how can we help especially our frontline staff or our newer staff actually want to practice trainings enough to get the gains and I loved what you said about intrinsic motivation how can we tie it to something that matters to them how can we get them to want to take it what's another principle well I mentioned keeping it simple Mm. again they're busy enough right so so that's the second one another one I would highly recommend to all learning and development and HR folks who are over learning and development is to stop calling it training mm. or um, workshops because there's such a negative connotation because to be honest with you, most of the stuff in the past has just been bad. It's just been p- uh, poor quality experiences, bad quality materials. The instructional design is bad. So sometimes when you lump things into, uh, you, you label it something, people are, we're going to go through training. So this is where I love what we can learn from our technology friends, right? The, the, the ed tech or just the tech companies for that matter. I recommend in, in referring to our participants as end users, right? These are folks who have a day job. They need um, to do certain things to bring home the bacon, uh, to meet their KPIs. So, they're already motivated to do their job well. Just attach and align whatever it is that you're putting them in. And that's why it's nice to have bite sizes over time because it's not so much a training as it is, okay, you need to go through or we recommend you go through this learning experience. And it is an experience because not only are you going to consume information, you're going to apply it, you're going to be accountable to a group, you're going to share information, you'll receive reinforcement nudges over time, You'll be able to be surveyed and see you progressing and track your progress. So there's so many things that change. This becomes a technology play and not a learning play. So that's a huge principle that I would recommend is look for ways to provide an experience over time where they are consuming and applying um, the principles you need them to apply uh, and do it over time so that you can track Product through technology. Yeah, well, I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking of a specific use case. So 
right now, Greystoke Investments, we're, you know, we want more people to come buy our real estate investment, get their, get their quarterly checks, passive income from us, right? So we're bringing on sales reps. And legally, it sounds like it might actually change this year for the first time in 80 years. But legally, I can't pay a, com- a commission, a success fee to somebody who doesn't have the right licenses, right? So what we're doing is we're going to get is we're attracting these people who want to get into finance and they're willing to get their series 63 license so we can make them an issuer rep, an issuer agent for us. Right. So I've got two things. One, I've got to help them pass this test. It takes maybe like 10 or 15 hours of study to pass the test averagely. And then after that, I really need to teach them what Warren Buffett's principles are and how they apply to real estate investing. Cause like our whole premise is if we, if we try to teach these guys how to do a hard sale, they're just going to turn people off. But if we teach them how to help people see what Warren Buffett sees or like Bruce Flatt or Howard Marks or these guys who have multi-billion dollar funds taking Warren Buffett principles to real estate. If we can teach people how to see that, then they'll see, oh, why our approach actually makes a lot of sense. You know, like that's kind of the, the premise, right? So thinking about that case, I also have this idea of like, maybe we should just be teaching our customers as well. Like maybe this just shouldn't just be for our reps. Like maybe the whole training program I mean, most of them don't care about a Series 63, but maybe we should just make the training program free for, for anybody who wants to learn about how to apply Warren Buffett principles to, to real estate. But, but then I have this like, okay, these are not paid employees. I can't fire them. My customers definitely aren't paid employees, right? So it seems like I have to do an even better job of like making it easy to make part of their routine and making it magnetic to be part of their routine since their paychecks don't. Their paychecks don't uh, rest on me being happy with them. I, I really am going to have to make it magnetic. Any any thoughts with that problem case there? Yeah, that's there's a lot of good there that we can talk about. I, to me, I see there's two different parts. One is for them to take that 10, 15 hours to prepare for that specific certification to get the right credentials to be able to sell. And if you I'm sure that you go online and you can find resources to do that. Yeah. Yeah. We've and got I'm practice sure guides and there's, as possible. there's practice tests and stuff like that. Like our guys in, so in the past have done that. you want to do as quickly as possible. Yeah. Right. So if you wanted to do that quickly, then that, you know, ideally you can make do with the resources you have for that portion and it's not going to look good. It's not going to be sexy. They're going to have to pass off some kind of a test, prove that they've, they, they know this stuff. So that sometimes we call it, sometimes the content is just ugly. Content stink. It's just, you got to do it and it's hard to sexy it up. However, there are ways that you can do that. We're not talking about that. The second half is what intrigues me, the Warren Buffett principle. See, now that is something where you're going to be tempted as a SME yourself who knows those principles and have been practicing it. This is where the subject matter expert or SME can be a danger to the learning event because they know something over years and years of experience. They want to just offload all of that to this audience and expect them to get it very quickly. Here's what I would recommend. With create a principle a week or something where not only is it what is it, but how can you apply it this week? Then come share with the group of other sales folks on what worked, what didn't work. Now you have that cars model working and you can send certain bite-sized reinforcement over time just with that principle, whether it's just a basic um, text app or basic 
you know, reinforcement nudge app. So, but then if you make that available to your end users, I mean, your clients as well, why not? Uh, I think that's a good value add. You're the one that taught me about providing value to clients <laughs> not, and not asking for anything back. Well, so that's what I would do. Yeah. Focus on one principle a week or two a week and talk about it. Yeah. I also want to, I also want to put some sort of a social aspect into it where they're, you know, they, you know, they get, they got their Navy SEAL swim buddy. Like who, who are they going to talk to about this? And, and it's not just completely dependent on their own willpower. No, it's good. The more you can build a cohort mentality or um, a partnership mentality. Now, just remember, this has been around a long time in training. So you see a lot of times I would find a partner and you give an assignment to go find an accountability partner or to find someone to do this with, but then they left on their own to do that. There isn't the accountability saying, okay, did you do it? Who is it? And are you talking? And what did you talk about? So that's why I like the cohort model where you get together and it's almost flipping the classroom in some ways. You say, go learn this principle, talk to it, your partner about it, come and share your findings with the group. So that, that think tank becomes really this magical time each week where people say, oh, you did, oh, that didn't work. I was going to try that, but now I might not. So that's where the magic happens of this collabor collaboration and synergy. So I, I do agree. Yeah, definitely build in that. You know, as soon as you say that, I think about like, why couldn't we run a meetup? We could run like an in-person meetup and a digital meetup and like have the accountability happen there where people get like instead of because I find like the accountability buddy like inevitably one of them is going to be worse than the other and keeps rescheduling and then they don't get the benefit from it. Right. Where if yeah. we ran the meetup, it's like if you just get you get paired up with whoever showed up, you know, and then like we know it happens because it happened right there. And there's there's some other human that you get to explain what you learned, what you studied, how you think it applies. And, you know, somebody cares that you worked hard. I like that. I think that's actually really cool. So, you know, you get to talk about so many different aspects of this world. Um, what's kind of the what's kind of the new excitement? What's what's kind of one of the newer discoveries for you? What's got you excited these days? We live in an exciting time, Jess. <laughs> Technology has opened our eyes to many opportunities. So there's a lot of innovation happening for the first time. Well, it's been happening for a while. But again, at this catalyst, technology is happening at a grand scale. People are testing new ways to get information to people to, I mean, AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning. On What are people actually doing? Because sometimes we think we're going to do something. But then what we actually do is different and technology can show us that and provide so much value. So I'm just, I'm fascinated um, by how technology is changing our behavior. It's probably going to be a, a lot of focus of my um, dissertation, my PhD. And it's just that, just how technology has changed the human condition and behavior. Because there's so much that we don't know yet. Yeah. By the way, I know you're trying to do that fast. When do you think you're going to finish your PhD? Approximately. <laughs> Probably in four years, five years. <laughs> I, I'm not going to do that fast. I want to do it. I want to say, take some time doing it. Really do the research and the practicums and 
when, when I come away with that, I, I want this some something of value that I can share. Yeah. You know, w- one thing that is interesting to me from an AI perspective is, you know, I don't consider myself that techie of a guy. And so AI can feel like a big black box to me. But we've had a number of AI experts on the show. And the one guy said, like, just think about it as an advanced suggestion engine. He's like, it's an oversimplification. It's not the only use. But, like, think of, start there. And as soon as he said that, like, I, like, the way it applies to this is thinking, like, yeah, well, if we teach these, like, you know, people from the Warren Buffett family tree, whether it's his mentor, his followers, his partner, Charlie Munger, whatever. I'm calling it the Warren Buffett family tree, right? If we had these classes about that, we have, well, we have YouTube videos or we have, we have like exercises or other stuff, and we had people like scoring that on our website, it seems like we could have AI saying, hey, if you liked that, other people who liked that liked this. And it wouldn't have to be like the most, necessarily the most advanced AI engine of all time. And like the choose your own adventure factor could, could go up making a bite size and letting letting an engine say like, well, if you're really into that, maybe you like this one too. Any any thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you just you nailed it. I don't know who I was talking to, but they were saying there is no such thing as we, we aren't at the stage in our development yet where there's true artificial intelligence, where machines are, not, are thinking, they are thinking for themselves. So we've got to be careful here. They're not, they're not thinking critically about if this leads to this, it leads to this on a behavioral level. It's more, it's machine, it's machine learning. I'm saying this completely wrong. I'm not an AI expert, but I like the thinking, which is more of, it's augmented intelligence. It's, oh, that's right. It was, it was John Bowers from Silicon Slopes was calling it augmented intelligence instead of AI, which I completely agree. It's, it's the fact that it, it's augmenting what we are doing to choose your own adventure. You click on this, which means you probably would want to click on this next thing. So I I do think when people start a journey, you might start at a different place than I do, and we might have needs. And so the answers we get from our technology will be different. And that's where the old school thinking is different, where before we'd give you a solution that was supposed to answer all your questions. It was a package product, a learning product. Now I come in from, maybe I have a, a quick answer I need a, a question to. Maybe you have a, a challenge you've got to deal with, but it's a different one. And we come into the system from different places, and we're given quick answers, but then a forward based on AI, machine learning, on what we should do next to help us solve our problem. And when we've solved it, we check out. It's, it's in and out, quick and done. It's not forcing them through some prescriptive learning experience where they have to go through chapter by chapter by chapter because that might not be what I want to learn. I might want to learn one principle today because it answers the question I have today in the moment. That's what I'm excited about, what, what AI machine learning can do is help pinpoint me based on what I'm seeking, based, based on what I do. It helps lead me along my own journey to use your own adventure. I love it. Well, I know we're kind of winding down for for part two of the interview here. One of my favorite questions to ask is, what's one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? You've asked that one before, many times. Well, I've enjoyed Ryan Holiday's books lately. The Obstacle is the Way, Stillness is the Key, and Ease the Enemy. Um, Really enjoying 
his take on the Stoics and philosophers. And just the fact the amor fati, which is to love your fate, regardless of whether it's good or bad, it's something that I've taken to heart and realized, you know what? You got to love life. It's ups and it's downs because it is what it is. I'm living in the now. I can't change what has happened in the past. I can influence what happens in the future, but I can't dictate it. I might not be around for it, but I can love what I'm in. And it's it's based on that, Jess, that I'm, I'm building a, writing a fun book, which, which should come out in the next year. So those principles. You know, I listened to a little bit of that book every week for sure, it seems like, but, but often every day. And I think about that chapter sometimes, and it's not my natural, that's one that doesn't come to me naturally. You know, that, that one I have to work for. But it's funny, just as you say that, I just started thinking, yeah, how can I love my current situation? Because I'm, I'm like a guy who lives in the future a lot, and I'm always thinking about what we're going to do next and kind of like visionary affliction, right? But just as you say that, I thought like, what could be beneficial about this? How could I love that I am that I am where I am instead of being annoyed that I'm not further or some of the thoughts that come more naturally to me? It's an interesting exercise, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it really is. It's, it changes your mindset because I, I, so the first phrase I use when I'm ever in a situation that's stressful, I say, I'm loving this which seems um, opposite to how I'm actually feeling. But saying that statement is a, it's a wake up call. It just, it wakes you up to like, why would I love my computer crashing and my dishwasher leaking all over my kitchen floor, right? Well, and that's when I add more to this, this concept. You don't just end there. You have to then become engaged in what you do next, how you learn and grow from that situation. And that's where the proactivity happens, where the action happens, and where the growth happens. So it's exciting. It's, we just we, we only have now, like right now, this minute, we have June 29th, 2021, this hour. I might not have next hour, right? We, don't, we can plan. There's nothing wrong with having a plan, by the way. That's good. You have to be, have a vision and a plan. But don't let it blind you to your current and your now. And that's, that advice has really changed my life. That Ryan Holiday shedding an obstacle is the way. I love it. Okay, man. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay. Bye, everyone.